Welcome to the Valley Brook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a sermon from our Countercultural Sermon Series. Countercultural is a study of the Beatitudes and explores our call to be different. We hope you find this podcast meaningful. We'd love to hear how God is touching people's lives. Just go to our website at www.valleybrook.cc, select Contact Us, and send us an email. We're in the middle of this series called Countercultural because everything that Jesus calls us to doesn't go the way of the world, the way of the culture. It goes God's way. And he's called every man and woman, boy and girl, who believes in Jesus, who's following him, to live a countercultural life. Any of your parents do scrapbooks for your kids? Yeah. Any of your kids have your parents do scrapbooks for you? Yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's interesting to, to think that through. I, I want to tell you a story about a scrapbook. Pastor and author Gordon McDonald uh, writes about the scrapbook that his family made for their kids and, and about one thing in particular in that scrapbook. There's a letter, a letter that was written to his daughter when she and her friend were eight years old and they had a conflict. Let me tell you the story. He, he says, you know, my daughter and her best friend were the best of friends. They did everything together. They, they walked to school together every day. They collaborated about homework assignments every evening. They did sleepovers all the time until one day. One day his daughter got frustrated with how slow her friend walked to school and so she called her a slowpoke. To an eight-year-old, that's a big deal. All of a sudden, they were no longer friends again. They were no longer friends, and in fact, uh, that night, they didn't collaborate on homework again. The next sleepover was canceled, and the next day, they both walked to school alone by separate routes. The next day, a letter came in the mail to his daughter, and this is what it said. You called me a slowpoke and I'm angry at you. You're no longer my friend. And she signed it. She couldn't have been any more specific, could she? She got to the heart of the matter. Here's the good news. The separation didn't last more than a day or two because both girls realized how much they missed the other, and so they they said their I'm sorry's. One apologized for, for being slow, and the other one apologized for calling the other one a name. They made peace. They are peacemakers. Don't you wish we as adults could make peace like that so quickly? We're on the beatitude, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Peacemakers are sons and daughters of God because you can't be called a peacemaker unless you're a follower of God. And if you're a follower of God, you're a child of God. And he calls us to be peacemakers. The very reason why we will see God is because as his sons and daughters, we will seek to be like him and we'll be adopted into his family when we embrace his values and his mission and his son, Jesus Christ, 
and then we're called to be peacemakers. Theologian John Stott says this, peacemaking is divine work, for peace means reconciliation, and God is the author of peace and reconciliation. Now, you guys know that uh, the Old Testament and the New Testament were written in uh, different languages other than English. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew. The New Testament was written in Greek. The, the Hebrew word for peace is shalom. Now, the thing I love about other languages is that when you dive into them, you sort of get a sense of the meaning. And, and while we sort of think one thing when we hear peace, and to say that Shalom means peace is just not complete. So, so let me share with you from, from multiple sources what the definition of shalom is. Shalom is peace and harmony and wholeness and completeness and, and prosperity and welfare and tranquility. Shalom is all-encompassing. It's the peace of Christ that passes all understanding and it's peace of mind. It's the calm in the storm. It's reconciliation with God. It's unity amidst diversity. It's accepting one another. It's loving our enemies. It's working through conflict. Shalom is all-encompassing. Do you know that God promised you shalom? He actually made a, a, a covenant with his people that they would have shalom. And it's recorded in the book of Isaiah. Here's what it says. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. What a powerful promise. God loves, God's love for you and for all of us is rock solid, it's firm, it's determined, nothing will remove it, nothing will shake it. But here's something more important. Not only is his love that way, his peace, his shalom for us is that rock solid. It won't be shaken. He promises that peace for us when we follow him. We see what true shalom looks like in the book of Romans. The apostle Paul writes this. He says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into his grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, <clears throat> how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? We are no longer enemies of God. We have been put at peace with God through faith in Jesus Christ. We have shalom in its fullness when we believe in Jesus. 
peacemakers have shalom and peacemakers share shalom. I think it's always important to let Scripture help us understand Scripture. And in 2 Corinthians, Paul writes these words that that really understand what it means for us as peacemakers to share shalom. This is what Paul writes. This is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. What does that mean? That means we're ambassadors for the shalom of God. We're supposed to share the all-encompassing peace of God with those around us. We're supposed to help people know that they can be reconciled to God. So that means we have a ministry of reconciliation. We've been entrusted with that as peacemakers. We've been called then to share shalom. So listen to this. You know, as ambassadors of God's shalom, we're supposed to share this all-encompassing peace of God with those around us. And as I said, the, the definition of shalom is very broad, but the essential thing from shalom that we share with people is this, the good news of salvation through the gospel of Jesus Christ. So peacemakers are supposed to share, most importantly, the gospel. The prophet Isaiah says these words God speaks how beautiful are the mountains on the feet are the feet of those who bring good news who proclaim peace who bring good tidings who proclaim salvation who say to Zion your God reigns now don't get distracted by the mountains or or the feet look at what is brought good news peace Good tidings, salvation, the truth of God's reign. The Apostle Paul was struck by this scripture, and in fact, he brings it up when he writes to the church in Rome, and he he quotes that very verse from the prophet Isaiah, but then he goes on and he attaches these questions to that verse. Listen to what he asks. But how can people call for help if they don't know who to trust? And how can they know who to trust if they haven't heard of the one who can be trusted? And how can they hear if nobody tells them? The answer to Paul's question is that God sends us. God sends you and me to share the gospel, the message of peace. Now, I know some of you you are thinking... Oh, man, if God sends me, I wouldn't know what to say. You know what? God's got that covered. I'm going to share a scripture with you. It's not going to be the screen, but it's from the Gospel of Luke. You may want to write this down. Luke 10, excuse me, Luke 12, 12. This is Jesus' promise to us. He says, at the time that you're called to testify, the Holy Spirit will tell you what to say. 
Don't fear what you have to say. Walk in the faith that you have from following Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Don't fear it. Some of you are also thinking, it would be awkward to tell people about my faith in Jesus. It could be embarrassing. I understand that feeling. Jesus challenges us to deal with that feeling. This is what he says again in Luke, Luke 9, 26. If anyone is ashamed of me and my message, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in his glory. Jesus says, if you're embarrassed by me, I'm going to be embarrassed by you. Don't be embarrassed by me, he's saying. He's saying, don't be afraid. Walk in power. Be faithful to your calling." So as sons and daughters of God who have been saved by faith in Jesus Christ, who have been filled with the Holy Spirit, we're called to walk by faith as peacemakers. And the most important place we can make peace is between God and people who don't believe in him. The most important job that you and I have on this earth is sharing Christ with others who have yet to believe. This is something that God calls every single one of us to do. It's not optional. It's not for those people who are gifted with gab. It's for everybody who believes in Jesus. Again, the Apostle Paul, he wrote these words. We loved you so much. We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. We're supposed to share the gospel of God, but our lives also with people. We're called to love people as we've been loved. We are also called to love those who are our fans and those who are our foes. We're called to love those who don't even like us, who are our enemies. The best way that we can love people is to share the gospel and our lives with them. Let me tell you why that's so important. It's so important that we share both the gospel and our lives with people because there's this universal truth, and you've heard me say it before. People don't care how much that you know until they know how much you care about them. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care about them. The most effective way that you and I can share Christ is with people that we have a relationship with already or that we're willing to build a relationship with. Why? Because that relationship demonstrates that we care for them, that we love them, that we are sincerely committed to that relationship as we are committed to that relationship with Jesus. Now, please hear me. I'm not saying that you can't share your faith with strangers or that that's ineffective. I know people who have been led to Christ through somebody who was totally random sharing Christ with them. But I'm telling you, the most effective way is to share Christ with people that you're already sharing your life with. So as a child of God, you're called to share Christ with others. 
So trust God. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you the right words to share with others about Jesus so you can be a peacemaker between them and God, whether they're your friend or your foe. Share that with them. One other area that we're supposed to work for peace in is this. Peacemakers need to work for reconciliation. You know, not just between God and people, but also people to people. Sometimes ourselves to somebody else, sometimes to other people that are not at peace with one another. We've already seen that God has given us a ministry of reconciliation. So as a follower of Jesus Christ, you receive that ministry. You didn't sign up for it, you didn't ask for it, but you've got it. And you're responsible to work for reconciliation. Before Paul said that, this is what Jesus said. What Jesus said. He, he said that we're supposed to love all people. He even challenged us. He says, people who love people that love them, well, everybody does that. He says, not, not, don't just love the people who love you. Love those who hate you. Love your enemies. You know, our, our enemies are the people who have hurt us and the culture that we live in sort of ingrained this attitude in us. Hurt me once, shame on you. Hurt me twice, shame on me. It's this idea that if someone hurts you and becomes your enemy, you're going to write them off. You're not going to let it happen again. You're, you're going to sort of disengage from that relationship. That's, that's the culture we live in. That's not the culture of Jesus. We've been given a ministry of reconciliation. And we're supposed to, to make peace with our enemies as well as help other people who are enemies with each other make peace. Uh, you know, this week I ran into somebody that uh, years ago said something really hurtful to me. I still remember it, but I've forgiven them. You know, in my human nature, I wanted to avoid conversation with them, but what I sensed the Holy Spirit was saying, Clark, you need to engage with this person. You need to talk to them. You need to, to demonstrate that you care about them and you love them because Jesus does, and you want to be in a relationship with them, even though you remember the hurt that was caused. We're all called to do that. We're all called to that. We're called to be peacemakers in this world. You know, the Apostle Paul said this. He wrote so many things in the, in the letter to the church in Rome. He says this. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Again, these are not optional things for followers of Jesus Christ. We're called to be peacemakers. And as far as it depends on us, we're commanded to live at peace with others. So who are your enemies? Are you living at peace with them? Work for reconciliation and live at peace with them. Here's the deal about being a peacemaker between two groups. You know, in, in the history of the church, when, when the church began over 2,000 years ago, there was tension because the first followers of Jesus were Jewish. 
They, they came out of Judaism. They came out of, uh, out of that rich and vibrant tradition of the Old Testament that we see and we claim as our scriptures today. The Apostle Paul was Jewish. He, he was raised in a Hebrew household. He, he learned the Jewish law. He grew up to be, as he said, a Hebrew of Hebrews. He became a Pharisee. He persecuted the church. When he came to faith, and Jesus had this radical conversion, and he realized it wasn't about being Jewish. It was about following Jesus. And then the Lord spoke to him through this very personal conversion and said, you're going to be my messenger to the non-Jewish people, to the Gentiles. You see, in first century Israel, there were Jews and there were Gentiles. Basically, the Jewish people saw the world in, in basically two groups. You're either Jewish or you're not Jewish. So you're either Jewish or you're Gentile. And quite honestly, that hasn't changed today. You know, if you live in Israel, there are still Jews and Gentiles. We speak about it as Israelis and Palestinians. It's still there. Now that's for Judaism. It's not for followers of Jesus. Because God has brought together these two groups of people in Jesus. He has brought together two races and made one people. Listen to what the Apostle Paul writes in the book of Ephesians. For he, Jesus, for he himself is our peace who has made the two groups one and destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two. Thus making peace and put to death their hostility. He came and he preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. Through him, we both have access to the Father by the Spirit. The heart of God is reconciliation. For all people and all conflicts, being at peace with each other and united with God. So let's get practical. How do we do this? <coughs> How do we become peacemakers? Scripture tells us, very clear. In the book of James, we read this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Let's break it down. Be quick to listen. You know, in our culture, people are not quick to listen. What that means to be quick to listen is you're going to have to stop thinking about your rebuttal and you're going to have to actually pay attention. You may not need to make a rebuttal if you actually listen. Now, that's not our culture. Be quick to listen. Here's the second thing he says. Be slow to speak. Sometimes in an argument, we get angry and we're in such a hurry to get in the next verbal jab that we say something that makes it even worse. We need to be slow to speak. 
One of my friends is a pastor, and he just took a call to a church on the west coast of Alaska. It's basically an indigenous population in Alakete, Alaska. And he said, as I'm getting to know people in the congregation, what I've discovered is in that indigenous population, when you go and you meet somebody, you talk to them, after you speak, they're quiet. Because now they're thinking about what they're going to say. They actually listen so intently that they're still processing it and they don't immediately respond. He says it's, it's a little disorienting at first, but I'm getting used to it. Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Hey, since our goal is peace, we have to set aside our feelings and we have to ask God for supernatural power to set aside our feelings. Now, you know, in this culture, in this climate that we live in right now, that's not the way people are living. But we are called to be countercultural. But let's just recognize what's going on. You know, in the culture we live in right now, politicians aren't listening to each other. They're just lambasting each other. World leaders aren't listening to each other. They're just escalating tensions by, by being rude to one another. You know, different racial groups are struggling, and part of that's because they're not listening to each other's stories. And that's what our culture doesn't encourage. It doesn't encourage us to be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to anger but Jesus does and we're called to be opposite of this culture now listen I see some signs of hope through this countercultural series some of you have been coming up and telling me how God is calling you to live counterculturally and that's exciting I would love to hear more so feel free to, to take me aside and tell me or send me an email of your story of how God is calling you to live countercultural I, I do see I see signs of hope even in the secular culture. I read an article this week about how the, the whole protest over the national anthem with the NFL, actually the NFL owners and some of the NFL players got together. Instead of yelling at each other, they listened to each other's stories. And things are changing in that whole process. It's amazing to see that. You know, just another example of, of people listening, quite honestly, it's this hashtag me too response to, to sexual harassment because people are actually listening to the stories of women and saying, your story matters and we gotta stop that. So what's your response to this countercultural call from Jesus to be peacemakers? Yes, <clears throat> you should be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. And think about it this way. First and foremost, know this. God has placed you in relationships. I believe that. I don't believe the people that you're connected with in your life are by chance. I believe that the people in your family the people in your friends, in your acquaintances, your neighborhood, 
where you work, where you go to school, I believe there's a purpose in that because you have a relationship and the best place to share with people about the hope that you have in Jesus are in the relationships where people know you care about them, where you listen to them, where you have a relationship. So here's my challenge to you. Pray for the Holy Spirit's guidance about acting in faith and telling people about how to be reconciled with God. And here's the second part. You know, being human means we're gonna have conflicts. It's just, it's, it's part of our sin nature. We're gonna have conflicts. We're gonna misunderstand things. So, as Christ followers, we need to be peacemakers in our own relationships and also in other relationships. But, but let me press on our own relationships. Who in your life do you need to make peace with? Is it your spouse who has that annoying habit that drives you crazy? Maybe it's your ex-spouse and there's issues of custody and, and caring for the kids that you need to make peace with them. Maybe it's that family member that you had a feud with years ago and you haven't spoken for all that time. Maybe it's a neighbor who you, you continue to have an argument about their dog or the property line or something. Maybe it's somebody at work or at school who pushes your buttons constantly and just makes you angry. It's time for Christ followers to ask, can we talk about why we're not getting along? And then be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. What, what would this look like if people listened to one another? I, I want to share a closing illustration. Real story. Uh, Brenda Salter McNeil, she's a pastor. She tells the story of, of taking a diverse group of Christian students they traveled across the United States visiting some of the places known for their racist history. This is what she writes. One of the stops on the trip was a museum with a collection of graphic photographs documenting the horrific lynchings of black people in America. Looking at photo after photo of young black men hanging from trees or mothers hanging with their children with white people often looking on in celebration was intensely disturbing for the group. When they boarded the bus, most of the members couldn't speak. There was complete silence. There was a palpable tension. Finally, the white members broke the silence. Understandably, they were eager to defend themselves and put some distance between themselves and the immense brutality of what they had just witnessed. They hadn't committed these terrible crimes after all, and it was all such a long time ago. And a black student stood up, obviously in pain. She announced her conviction that after seeing this, she said, all white people are evil. Shouting and disagreement just erupted, and it was unclear how this group was gonna be able to move forward from this experience and finally, a white student stood up and said, I don't know what to do with what I just saw. I can't fix your pain, and I can't take it away, but I can see it. And I will work the rest of my life to fight for you and for your children so they won't experience it. 
And as this student spoke, she started to weep. And her mascara began to run down her cheeks, leaving dark trails. The bus was silent, and somebody in the group said, she's crying black tears. And she was. They were indeed tears for her black friends. And those black students on that bus now felt somebody identified with their pain and had listened to them. Those Christ followers made peace on that bus because they listened to somebody. They listened to somebody else's pain. You and I are called to be peacemakers, and it's going to require not doing life as usual. Our world tells us to do life as usual. It's going to call us to follow Jesus and to be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. I want to pray for you as sons and daughters who are called to be peacemakers. And as I pray for you, we're going to conclude this song, conclude this prayer with a song where we're going to pray for the one, just start with the one that God wants you to begin to make peace with. My guess is you can think of the one. So would you stand up with me? And as we stand up, let's just bow our heads and just have an open posture with our hands to receive from God what he wants us to do. And after I pray, I invite you to sing this song as a prayer. Heavenly Father, as your sons and daughters who have come to you by faith in Jesus Christ, we recognize that you've called us to be peacemakers. To make peace. To be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to be angry. Lord, show us the one to start with the one in our lives that that we need to love like you love, to see them like you see, to be who you want us to be for them. Help us to set aside our agenda, our needs, and let us be the hands and feet of your son. Let us be the heart and the voice of your son. Let us love the one like you love them. Lord, we pray this in the name of your Son who showed us how to love. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information, visit our website at www.valleybrook.cc.